Alrighty. I want to, I just want to share briefly, um, this morning from the book of first Corinthians chapter 13, right? That's the, um, the love chapter as we all probably are aware of and understand and have heard it before. And I just want to make a few quick points and, um, some of the things that we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, um, we've heard about, you know, God's love for us. Uh, we've heard about, you know, our identity, We've heard last um, Sunday that uh, Rob was talking about the church and about relationship, discipleship, and outreach. And, um, and then back in December, remember, Mark was preaching about being empowered by the Holy Spirit and an authority, and he talked about being motivated by love. And I really think it's important for us to understand that, you know, as we are receiving God's love, and we understand God's love for us, it's, as we are hearing this morning about expressing his heart towards one another in our relationships and people we come in contact with. And, and we need to understand that when, when Paul um, shared this, this passage in 13, you know, we, we often hear it in weddings, you know, love is patient, love is kind. But, you know, when Paul approached it in a manner of that there was much going on in the church, it was really, really messy. You know, things were happening in the church that weren't really obviously healthy. And so Paul is actually bringing this in for a sense of correction with what was going on in the church. I mean, the gifts were going on, but the people in the church, right, just were just unhealthy. And so Paul was addressing the church about that they weren't being motivated by love. There was a lot of selfishness. People were taking people to court. There was immorality going on in the church. There's a lot of division going on and arguments going on within the church. And so Paul is addressing the church in regards to these things that were happening in the church. And so he was saying that church, you know, these things might be going on. You guys might be actually, you know, moving in the gifts, but you're not being motivated by love. And this is where he's addressing this issue. And I just want to quickly, you know, have us understand is that Matt was talking a while ago about that God is a God of action. And this word that, that Paul is talking about, this word love, it's not just an emotional word. It's not a, it's not a feeling. Love's not a feeling, but it's, a, it's an action word. You see, and Paul makes it clear. He says, you know, there are different kinds of love. There's, there's love that we have for our, you know, husbands and wives. There's love that we have for our family and children. There's a, there's a love that we have for our friends. But this is a different kind of love. This is agape love. This is the unconditional love. This is a love that only God is able enabling us to be able to love. Because we know in Scripture, the Bible says that we are to love our enemies. We can't do that in human love. We need a God-inspired love that allows us to do what we're unable to do in ourselves. And so Paul is talking in relationship with the church. He was explaining to them and saying, this is a love that is just not an emotional word. This is not a feeling word. This is actually an action word. And so Paul goes on to say, and it starts to describe what love is and what love isn't. And so he begins to say that love is patient. And in some translations or or whatever Bible that you use, it says also long-suffering. But this word is to be understood as that it's long-tempered. It's slow to anger. 
and endures personal wrongs without retaliating. It bears with others' imperfections, false differences, and allows rooms to make mistakes and doesn't have a short fuse. So this is the kind of love that Paul is talking about. Love is patient. It means that we are patient with individuals that might not be catching it right off the hop. This is a love that says, you know what, we will bear with this individual. We will work with them in their shortcomings and their failures and their difficulties. And see, this is what Paul was addressing within the church. Some of them were very impatient with what was going on in the church. And he says, love motivates us to say we can work alongside with these individuals. And then he goes on to say that love is kind. This is where we are good towards others. Well, we don't withhold, we withhold what harms and we give what heals. And this word kind comes from the Greek word, which is to be understood as useful. You know, we are to be useful. We are to be helpful. We seek out needs and look for ways to meet those needs without repayment. We're tender, forgiving when wrong, gentle, soothes hurt feelings, calms an upset person, and helps quietly in practical ways. He goes on to say that love is not jealous of the success of others. He says that love is not boastful, you know, and this word boastful comes from a Greek word, which means windbag. So we're not a boastful windbag. We, you know, we don't go around boasting. And the the sad thing is that within the church, there was immorality happening in the church and they were okay with that. And they were boasting about these kinds of things. And, And Paul is saying that love does not boast right? It's not bragging about themselves. They're not parading themselves. They're not big headed, but they're big hearted and they're not grasping at praise. He went on to say that love is not arrogant. It's not grasping at power. It's not disrespectful towards others. It doesn't push themselves into leadership. He goes on to say that love is not rude, but it is courteous. It's polite. It's mannerly. It builds up and does not tear down. He says that love is not self-seeking. It's not selfish or self-absorbed. It has no self-interest. And it doesn't say, what do I get out of this? Or what about me? It's not possessive. It's not demanding. And it's not dominating. He went on to say that love is not provoked. It's not touchy. It doesn't lose one's cool. And this this word um, provoke comes from a Greek word that means sharp stimulate and rouses to anger. So this is something that the saying that we're not provoked easily, you know, when something happens and, and then we say, you made me angry. This is your fault. I'm angry because of something you have done. You see, and this is what Paul was addressing and saying, that's not true. You know, we are not easily provoked. We don't, you know, we don't, we're not sharp tongued in our words. You know, we're not, we don't, you know, get stimulated, roused to anger. And put it on somebody else. He also went on to say that, you know, keeps no record of wrong. And this Greek word is to be understood as a bookkeeper. And so often sometimes we, we remember the wrongs of others or things that have been done to us. And we keep record of these wrongs and saying, you did this to me or you did that to me. So here Paul is saying that love doesn't keep record of wrong. We don't have a bookkeeping. We don't have a shelf and we don't file up with what people have done to us. And then Paul went on to say, he says, we do not rejoice in unrighteousness or we don't, we don't rejoice with evil. And this is what was happening with the church. They were okay with the immorality that was going on in the church. 
And they were, you know, they were proud of it. And he's saying, we do not rejoice with unrighteousness. We don't take joy in evil of any kind or malicious pleasure in the hearing of the mistakes or inadequacies of others. You know, and so often, you know, like even in the news, there's such stuff, tragedy that goes on in people's lives. And there's a tendency that there's a sense where we enjoy listening to other people's tragedies and, and difficulties and stuff like that. And, and Paul is saying here that we do not, we, you know, take joy in the evil of any kind or, or malicious pleasure in the hearing of the mistakes or inadequacies or sins of others. You know, when we hear some people, I know years ago we would hear of, you know, prominent Christian leaders who had fallen into sin. And then there would be others that would be pointing the finger and saying, oh, there's those Christians again. And just constantly, you know, Christians just pointing a finger and saying how terrible that is and the sin and the sin and the sin. And Paul is saying that, you know, we don't rejoice when others have fallen. You know, that's not love at all. You know, and then he goes on to say, but rejoices with the truth. You know, and this is really important for us to understand, you know, because so often we hear that, you know, the love of God, you know, and how we are to love does not mean that we are to be sort of walked on, you know. And Paul was saying that, that we need to stand for truth. You see, because the people in the church had allowed some of the stuff to go on and say, oh, we got to love them, we got to love them. But he says, but you got to stand for truth. When you know that something is going on that is not right, then you stand for truth and love. You have to address and you have to, you know, confront this issue and say, listen, this is wrong. And we love you enough to be able to address this issue with what was going on. So it's important, as Paul says, that we understand that love rejoices with the truth. Because so often sometimes we think that we have to love somebody and there could be, you know, things happening, abuse and stuff like that going on, unhealthy things that are going on. And Paul is saying we have to address things and we've got to rejoice with the truth. And then he goes on to say, love bears all things. And this word in its Greek is to be understood that it covers, that it's a protective, it's like a roof. So when he says it bears all things, it says it covers something like roof, a protection from hostile elements. Love, as the scripture says, covers over a multitude of sins. It goes the extra mile to protect another's reputation without criticizing in public. It also says that it believes all things. But this is not to say that we as Christians are gullible and we believe everything. But he's saying that we believe in the individual. And we say, you know, we believe that there is a purpose for this individual. Even though there's things going on in their lives that we can say that, you know what, God has a purpose. God has something in store for this individual. It's not to say that we stand and say, yeah, we'll believe everything that comes our way. We don't, we're not gullible. That's not what it's saying when we believe all things. It's believing in that God is a big God and can do some incredible things in the individual's life. You have a sense of, God, I know that you can do something with this individual. No matter how difficult it might look, God, we can believe that you can do something incredible in this individual's life. And then he goes on to say, it hopes all things. It refuses to take failure as an option, never gives up, remains faithful in spite of shortcomings, and doesn't lose faith in others, nor gives up on them. And lastly, which this is the one thing that I like. He says that it endures, it endures all things. And we have been hearing, you know, that we as a church are to be a family, right? An army 
and a hospital. And, you know, I don't understand why, but Paul uses this term in a military term. This word endures. This is a military term that is to hold position at all cost, even unto death, whatever it takes, not stop loving, even in the face of rejection. Holding up under trial perseveres in spite of difficulties. So Paul is saying that it endures. It stands its position and says we will love in spite of rejection. We will, we will stand our ground under trial and we will persevere in spite of difficulties. Now, as you go through these things, you will understand that basically Paul was just describing God's love. Because this is who God is. This is his qualities. This is his character. This is who he is. And he was just saying to us that as we understand that God loves us, we are to reflect that love towards others. And as we journey in this year, as, as Mark was saying about the turbulence and stuff, I think we need to be reminded as we, as we were praying that, you know, his banner over us, his love. And there's nothing necessarily more important than us being a demonstration of God's love to those around us and to those outside into the community. And this here, Paul is just basically telling us, this is a demonstration of what love is. How do we understand? How do we see love? This is how we see love in operation. When we stand together as a body, we stand and come alongside as we've last year when we had the discipleship and it said, you know, that we're walking alongside side by side, working with individuals, supporting them, encouraging them, praying for them, loving on them, you know, coming from Canada and, and working in a shelter for the years that I have, I've seen a lot of broken men come through the shelter who had been abused, violated in so many ways, terrible tragedies of some of the lives that were coming in through the shelter, broken, broken men. And just watching as, as, you know, speaking life into them. Their lives had been just a mess. And even in spite of what was going on in their lives, I had opportunity on several occasions to just share God's love to them. And just words. I, didn't, I wasn't preaching at them. I wasn't telling them that they're sinners. I wasn't telling them that they needed God and that they had messed up their lives. And, and if they didn't do this, that you know, they were going to hell or whatever. I was just loving on them demonstrating that God cared about them in the midst of their, their, their sadness and tragedy and, and, and mess. I was able to share God's heart with them. And on several occasions, I'd, I'd seen these individuals just eating up these words that were bringing hope and life into their spirits. These were hardened individuals. Many of them were drug dealers, very hard men, very angry men. But somehow them realizing that pouring in God's heart and love to them made, started to make a change in their lives because they needed to understand that God loved them and that there was life for them in spite of their, their mess. And Paul's heart was to say that he wanted to help the people in the church to get out of this mess that they were in. There was a place where there was a hospital. It was bringing healing into the individual's lives. And that's what we're called to do, to love and to release his heart to one another. I mean, life may not be the greatest, 
but we have God's heart and his love to walk us through those situations and circumstances. He wants to pour out his love for us. He wants us to be motivated by what we do, whether we prophesy, we move in gifts, we worship, we interact, we are motivated by his heart of love. That's what breaks. It says, you know, as we said, we love our enemies. That's when they start to see that this is genuinely real. It's only God who demonstrates his heart to us through others that we can do that. Amen. So I think as we step in to this year, I believe that God is going to continue to manifest in deeper ways his love into our hearts and lives so that we can face what lies ahead in our future, that we know that God is for us, that he will pour his love into our hearts and lives to bring change, to bring transformation. And like I said, I've seen it over and over again, hardened individuals who, who had such pain would not even come near individuals. They were angry. But the more that I was able to, to just pour in the, the God's heart for them and just speaking life into their lives, the change that began to happen. It's amazing what God can do when we pour out his heart of love and mercy and grace. These people need to hear that God has forgiven them. And, and you know, there was one, one time I was talking to an individual and he was an angry man. I mean, in some regards, if I didn't know him sort of relationally, I would have been afraid of him. But I had opportunity to, to visit him in jail, you know, and he would say to me, John, he said, of all the friends that I have, so-called friends, he said, you're the only one that comes to see me. You know, and I seen the man start to get emotional because he never had anyone really care for him and love him. And, and, and the things that were being said to him he, were foreign to him. He never heard these kinds of words. All he heard was he was never good enough, that he was a mistake, or that he's too much of a mess or a problem, that he will never be loved again. The idea of understanding and knowing that someone cared enough to speak the truth, the truth of what God was saying about him. This guy didn't know God in any way, shape, or form. But the fact that his ears were listening and saying, why would God love me? Why would he even care enough for me for what I've done? And these people go on this journey of understanding that there is a God that cares about them in their mess and to help them through that. So, Father, I pray this morning, God, and I thank you for this church. I thank you, God, for the call that you have placed on this church. God, that you're going to cause this church to walk in this kind of love. This is a divine love. God, this is a love that we, we don't conjure up. This is a love that we experience because of what you've done for us. You're, you're a loving God and an amazing loving God. It's strong. It's vibrant. It stands the test, God. You stand, God, behind us and for us. And God, I know that it is your heart that you're going to demonstrate this love, God, in each and every one of us. God, that we will be known as a church that knows how to divinely love. It will be a love that will love people into your kingdom. It will be a, a love that doesn't judge people or criticize people or point the finger at people. But there will be a love that, that allows people to realize that there's a God that has a plan for them, that loves them, and that they have a tremendous future in store for them. So I thank you, Father, that you will release, God, your, your heart, that you will impart it. God, empower us with that kind of love that Paul is talking about. 
in this year ahead of us, God, that we will walk in this kind of love, a love that says that we will be able to love our enemies, to love those who may, may despitefully use us, maybe the love that allows us to say we will love in spite of rejection because this is the love that, that you pour into us. And so, Father, we just thank you this morning, God, the unity that is being established in this church, God. There's a tremendous gathering happening within this church, God. And Father, I just ask that you would, from this day, continuously, God, pour in, God, your love, and you will manifest it. And where there's areas within our own hearts, God, that we need it, we need your love to be made manifest, would you pour that in, God, to strengthen us and to unite us. And I just pray this in Jesus' name.